1: This is Jonathan Hanson. I want to welcome you to the warning television program. Also those that are listening on warning radio, shortwave, watching on social media, welcome. We have a live audience today and we're in our chapel here at World Ministries International. And I'm gonna speak today on miracles or demons returning. Miracles or demons returning. And what I mean by that is the last couple weeks Several weeks ago, I spoke on how to keep your deliverance because the week before, my wife actually spoke and people were delivered from some demons, even right here in this chapel. The next week, how to protect your soul. And this week, miracles or demons returning. You know, there is that danger of demons returning. Also, miracles. Do you want to see miracles? Do you need a healing? All of this is very applicable. Now, if you've missed those programs, go to my website, www.worldministries.org. Once again, www.worldministries.org. And you can watch those programs. Start with a message from my wife and then go to how to keep your deliverance, the next, how to protect your soul, and now this one, miracles or demons returning. Let's start off with Mark 6. We're gonna read verses one through six. Then he went out from there and came to his own country and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. Many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of Jesus, Judas, Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own people, his own relatives, and his own house. Now he could do no mighty work there except that he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. Now, this passage, I believe, gives a clear insight into what blocked the healing power of Jesus so that only a few sick people, minor ailments, were healed. This kind of reminds me much of the healing ministry in today's church, where seldom you see much healing except for if somebody wants to say, oh, they healed my headache. Well, big deal. Take a couple of anison. I don't call that a miracle or much of a healing. I'm talking about most churches. We see a lot of healing. I see healing everywhere I go. So what's the problem? I've noted three culprits in bold letters on my notes. Three culprits. One offense. Becoming offended is a major weapon of Satan to cancel the effectiveness of faith in the life of the believer. Offense stops healing, offense stops miracles, offense opens the door for demons. How easily do you get offended? And you say, whoa, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. Why are my prayers answered? Hey, how fast do you get offended? Are you your own biggest enemy? We've got to be honest with ourselves or you're never going to be healed. Your prayers will never be answered. And more than likely, if you don't have evil spirits in you, they will come. Now I think a lot of Christians don't realize they have a lot of them have evil spirits in them. They think they're just fine. But they always have a nasty attitude, they're always critical. Offense. A major weapon. Here the people are offended at the preacher. They're offended at Jesus. Hey, is not this the carpenter? We grew up with him. We know him. We know the relatives. How can he do anything for us? And that, unfortunately, is the major problem with many people that try to minister where they grew up or with their relatives. They preconceived them that they were the same they were 30 years ago when they were maybe a kid or 60 years ago, not realizing they've moved a long ways with the Lord. They're being used all over the world. And you still look at them like they were six or eight years old or 10 or 12, but they've been gone 50, 60 years or 30, 40. Many people have received a touch of God through their lives because they have changed. They're moving with God. But they're offended at them. How can you tell me anything? They thought somebody of such humble beginnings beginnings couldn't be used by God so powerfully. He, a carpenter, and a carpenter's son. Becoming offended at the man or woman of God is all too common in the church. There are many believers who remain sick because of it. We should avoid offense like it was a rattlesnake, because it is just as Poisonous in the spiritual sense. If we are bitten by offense, it slowly begins a process of poisoning our whole system until we begin to look for how everyone is going to do us wrong. In other words, we become a little paranoid. Not everyone. Thinks that way. Behaves that way. Acts that way. Maybe not everyone thinks like you. Maybe your thinking is a little warped. And we live a life totally dominated by strife. What's the cure for offense? It is the love of God because love does not take into account a wrong suffered according to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. People ask, have I offended you? My answer is no. Because I forgave you before you gave me cause for offense. Now, if you do the same silly thing every single day and every single week, then you've offended God himself. And he, he says, Repent. Because you can learn. We don't have to say the same blockhead we always were. Is that good? Because that's what it is, just stubborn. Carnality that needs to come out of us. You should make the same mistake every day of your life. I mean, you should be able to learn to turn on the light. To turn it off. Or if you've got a job like a pilot to mark a checklist. Or any other profession that demands. You should be able to learn that. If not, you probably need some deliverance. Because somewhere there's some stubbornness that hasn't been removed either by self-infliction, self-acceptance of that stubbornness. But something needs to be set free. Because offense poisons our whole system. Learn to live with a forgiving attitude, that is, love in action. E.W. Kenyon, K-E-Y-K-E-N-Y-O-N, not Kenya, E.W. Kenyon said, quote, a step out of love is a step into sin. Good quote. A step out of love is a step into sin. Let me go into briefly, we can't expound on it, but I want to read 1 Corinthians 13. Though I speak with the tongue of men and angels and have not charity, love, every time it says charity, depending on the translation you use, love, I am become a sounding brass, a tinkling symbol. And though I have the gift of prophecy, understand all mysteries, all knowledge, have all faith, so I can remove mountains, and I don't have love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profits nothing. Love suffers long. It's kind. Love envies not. Love does not vaunt itself. It's not puffed up. Does not demand its own way. is not stubborn. We could paraphrase it, not thick-headed. Paraphrase it some more, not a blockhead. Does not behave unseemingly. Does not seek its own. Not easily provoked. Thinks no evil. Rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Prophecies will fail. Tongues will fail. In other words, they'll cease. When? When we all are perfect. When? When Jesus returns. We don't need it then. Whether there be knowledge, it will vanish away. We know in part, we prophesy in part. But which that is perfect is come, then that which is in part is done away with. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, understood as a child, thought as a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. Now, some problem is some people don't put away childish things. They don't learn. Well, then you get spanking more often. Doesn't mean your dad doesn't love you, but he will spank you. He will correct you. He will chastise you. And your boss might fire you. Doesn't mean he doesn't love you. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. I know in part, but then I shall see even as I am known. Now abideth faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Without love, we got a real problem. We got a real problem. You can't pray for people unless you love them. How do you really pray for them if you don't love them? And if you don't love them, that's a real problem. Because God says if you don't have love, you don't know me. And if you don't know me, then you don't have salvation. It's a real problem. Do we have the love of God? Can we exercise it? Can we forgive? Can we restore? Or do we want to take offense? Oh, they hurt me. Well, you're going to get hurt a lot in life. What can we say? Get over it. You are going to get hurt in life. If you want not to get hurt, You better go find some cubicle somewhere and stay in it. Because you are going to get hurt in life. You know, there's a show, The Mountain Men. Well, that'd be just nice if I didn't have a call of God to reach the world. I would like to be a mountain man because sometimes people give me a headache. Amen? But unfortunately, the love of God makes me have to continue to reach out. I can't just hide myself in a cubicle so I don't get hurt or frustrated. I have to forgive. So, the number one thing that stops miracles or demons returning to you is offense. Number two is without honor. Honor. No respect, no obedience, no miracles. Why? Because too much self pride and stubbornness. Person says with words, I love you. Well, I don't care what you say, I want to see what you do. I don't care what you say with your mouth. Can you love? Can you learn? Or so, too much pride and selfishness, too much stubbornness. I don't care you telling me you love me if you got too much pride. I always give a defense when you're wrong. You know, it doesn't matter. I love you. That gets very old and sad. Because without that self pride and stubbornness, we can learn. That's honor. Without honor, we stay in our ways. We can't respect enough to learn. We don't obey. We don't see miracles and demons come back. The whole point of being a disciple of Christ is learning, not staying the way you were. You are learning. You're changing from glory to glory. You're going through deliverance if you need it. If nothing more, you're all going through deliverance of self and becoming more like Christ but you're going through a process unless you don't have honor. In other words, you're too stubborn to change. That means there's no respect. There's not obedience. There's excuses for willful disobedience. Just like walking in love is a key to having great faith, being an honorable person is just as important. The Bible tells us to give honor to whom honor is due and to give honor to all men. The first show of honor for a believer should be in are giving according to Proverbs 3, 9-10. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the firstfruits of all your increase so your barns may be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. We cannot give 10% or more than 10%, which I believe the New Testament is telling us to do. If we're selfish, we want to have it all. We want the tree that God said don't touch. We want it all. Then we don't have honor. And then we're involved with disobedience. And through disobedience, we don't respect the word of God or your employers. With disobedience, you see no miracles and your prayers aren't answered and demons come back. Biblical stewardship is an indication that a person has a spirit of honor if a man would rob God. He would also be dishonorable to all men. Showing honor is a matter of respecting others at the level they deserve. All men deserve honor as human beings made in God's image. The Bible tells us that some are more worthy of honor because of the level of responsibility they have been entrusted. 1 Timothy 5, 17 through 18. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture says, thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treads out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. Those that are trying to develop your soul, will, mind, and emotions, you should show even more honor than somebody just sits down and smiles and drinks a latte with you. That doesn't take much. I can drink a latte with anybody. But am I willing to speak into their life or just smile and drink a latte? So the first thing is offense. The second thing is without honor. The third thing is unbelief. Without honor, if you want an example, all soldiers deserve honor. But the generals are more respected than a private. He has a lot greater responsibility as a private just gets off work and goes have fun shooting pool. I'm afraid a general has a lot of headaches that a private doesn't have. So it is in the kingdom. I have programs seven days a week. You don't just get up here and talk. It takes a lot of research and study. Again, unbelief. The Bible plainly states that unbelief is evil in the sight of God. It's evil. Especially after being a witness to his mighty power and operation. Hebrews 3.12 Take heed, brother, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. It's called an evil heart when you know it's true and you still don't obey it. An evil heart. The word unbelief can be a result of ignorance of the facts, which is not a sin, but the evil unbelief is being unpersuadable due to hard-heartedness or being stiff-necked. Jesus' power was blocked in the above passage because the people could not be persuaded to take him at his word, regardless of all the miracles they had witnessed. The only way to overcome an evil heart of unbelief is full submission to Christ as Lord and the acceptance of the Bible as the infallible word of God, 2 Timothy three sixteen through 17. As we read, Study and listen to the word of God. We will become persuaded to all that is written therein as holy brings. That's the Holy Spirit brings illumination to truth. The infallible word of God, the infallible. Cults go into their own teachings, their own books. The last couple of weeks we looked at Jehovah Witness. We looked at Mormonism. Catholicism is the same. They dilute the word of God where it's no longer supreme. It's not infallible. Joseph Smith or the Pope is, according to them. Where the Bible says the word of God is infallible. It's God speaking to you and I. He doesn't change. He doesn't change with time. He doesn't change with your culture that changes and comes under judgment. So as we read, study, and listen to the word of God... We must be persuaded to believe all that is written therein as a the Holy Spirit brings illumination to truth. Let's be aware of <clears throat> the three faith destroyers. Offense, dishonor, and unbelief. God wants us to operate in our full faith potential, which is great faith. Matthew 8, 5 through 11. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. You know, don't... Because you lose your job because you don't obey. That's not righteousness' sake. That's just stubbornness and disobedience. But if you lose your job because you're a whistleblower to a crime, something against the Constitution that's going on, and you get persecuted, that's a different story, isn't it? Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Make sure it's righteous. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Okay, when men shall revile you, persecute you, and say all manner of evil against you, the key word is falsely. Falsely. For my sake. They're lying about you. They're lying. And we are not supposed to worry about people that lie. We just have to continue to pray for them and forgive them. But we need... To worry if we are guilty of what they're saying. Again, first Timothy five, seventeen through eighteen, you know, the infallible word of God, in first Timothy three, sixteen through seventeen. Seventeen through eighteen, let the elders that rule over you be counted worthy of double honor, especially who labors in the word and doctrine. For the scripture says, not to muzzle the ox that treads out the corn. The labor is worthy of his reward. The Bible tells us that in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. It tells us that the word of God is the inspiration of the Holy Spirit documented in written form. That we should find ourselves submitted to, corrected by. It should correct us. It should direct us. It should inspire us. It should motivate us. We should live by it. The infallible word of God. That's why they call people that believe that fundamentalist. Because we believe that the word of God is infallible. It's inspired by God himself. It cannot be changed by any man or any culture. It's not evolution. It's how to bring peace to the nation's Peace to people, peace to your soul, peace to you and I. It's how to find ourselves in right relationship with God. It's how to get eternal life. It's how to stay free from cults, by deceptions. It's how to stay free from demons re-entering us. It's how to see miracles. It's how to be healed. Miracles are demons returning. We need to see miracles We need to see healing. We need to see our prayers answered. We need to make sure we stay free from demonic activity. One, offense. Stay away from offense. Stay away from without honor. Stay away from unbelief. These are faith destroyers. They'll penetrate your full faith potential and your armor. May God richly bless you.